As Europe's electricity prices continue to soar, the European Commission is taking a critical look at whether the energy market design is fit for purpose. There is talk of various market interventions, such as price caps and decoupling wholesale power and gas prices. Are these market instruments really needed? What could the potential impact be of such drastic reforms? And will cheaper renewables save the day? To answer these questions, I'm joined by Professor Dr. Stefan Ulreich, Internationalization Officer at the Biberbach University of Applied Sciences. I am Pamela Laug, and you are listening to the Energy Transitions Podcast. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. Before we delve into the specifics around the market reforms that are currently being considered, can you explain why the gas prices are so expensive? Am I correct in understanding that the EU market functions based on the last input needed to balance demand, and that is obviously more often than not gas? Um, Yeah, I think we have to make a difference between the gas market and the power market. For the power market, you're absolutely right. It's the merit order approach where the last needed unit is setting the price, is defining the price level. And since in most cases it is the gas fire power station, the high gas prices that we have will also lead to high electricity prices on the market. For the gas market, um, gas is imported from various sources. I mean, we have a pipeline import from Russia, for instance, unfortunately, at the moment, also from the Netherlands and also from Norway, for instance, from a German perspective. These prices are determined sometimes via long-term contracts, and they're also market price-based mechanism that we have there, also a merit order approach to some extent. And we also have in some countries LNG import, liquefied natural gas, where the gas can be imported from rather abroad countries like Australia, like the Gulf states, like Nigeria, and like other countries that we have. And these prices are also defined via a merit order approach. The high gas prices, we're already starting to see summer 21, I would say, because in summer 21, there was a certain fear that we can expect a quite cold winter in Northern Asia, in Japan, in China. And so the Asian countries bought a lot of natural gas, especially LNG, and this led to higher gas prices already from this point on. The hope was that beginning of the spring, uh, the gas prices would relax. But then we had the incident in Ukraine and the war between Ukraine and Russia. And this led to limited gas supply from Russian gas because of the sanctions that were put into place. And this leads to some scarcity in the gas market, and hence scarcity always means higher prices that we have here. Thank you, Stefan. That really gives us a good idea in terms of what we're facing. And it it really is a perfect storm, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of Russian gas curtailment and these high electricity prices. And the European Commission is obviously concerned and looking at various emergency instruments to try and ease the situation. Stefan, if we can perhaps take some time to look at market reform. Ursula von der Leyen recently stated that it's perhaps no longer fit for purpose. You know, there's obviously specific instruments like price caps. We're looking at taxes on energy companies, even short-term taxes. 
And potentially, I think, decoupling of gas and power prices. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on some of these reforms? And let's just start by asking, is the market still fit for purpose? Um, Yeah, I think we have to make here a clear differentiation between two things. Firstly is wholesale market and price finding mechanism on the wholesale market. And the second one is affordability for customers, for households, and also for some industrial customers. I will now concentrate on the first one, on the electricity market, on the wholesale market, whether this is working or not. From my perspective, the market works perfectly and unfortunately, because we have a scarcity situation in the gas market and this leads to higher prices. Of course, this scarcity reflects the limited pipeline gas supply from Russia, and this cannot be swiftly replaced by other suppliers. So from economic theory, these high prices should then be responded by new build generation assets and also by lower demand, for instance, by investments into energy efficiency. So the market works, and this is, you might like it or not, but you have to accept the high prices as a consequence of this. Secondly, we should also ask ourselves why we are in this situation. In the 1970s, there was always the idea of a so-called broad energy mix with several resources from various countries, leading to a lower level of dependency on single countries and also on single technologies. And this was basically an idea reflecting the oil price shock we experienced in the 1970s. And since some decades, we have narrowed this, especially in the electricity market, to a limited set of fuels from not so many countries, sometimes for good reasons, for instance, to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. But simultaneously, we're not using all possible technologies, for instance, CCS or nuclear, to some extent. And also attempts to build uh, LNG hubs in Germany in the past decade has not been really successful, also for various reasons. Hence, no additional supply. Applying countries can be addressed from the point of view of the German market. And this at least leads me to the following conclusion. So from my point of view, the lesson of the current situation is not that the market is not working, but there are two other lessons. Lesson one is, if you're not willing to pay some insurance premium in times of high supply, you will end up with security of supply issues in times of scarcity. So changes to the current market design, they attempt to become a remedy for the effect, but they will not tackle the cause. And hence, they will only make limited sense in my point of view. What could make sense in my point of view is to find the way back to an energy policy with a very balanced view on the energy trilemma, that is to consider environment, affordability, and security of supply at the same level. In the past two decades, I would say, the first target environment was dominating, which is fine, but it led to almost zero awareness with regards to affordability and to security of supply. And now these two topics, affordability and security of supply, are fully on the agenda. And lesson two is, if you are very picky with regards to the technologies and exclude too much, you might end up in a mess. Excluding technologies like nuclear, like CCS, should always be understood as a clear signal that the problem is easy to solve and not really important. Because in a situation like this, you can exclude everything you want. But in a situation where you have really to use everything, it's rather difficult. And claiming now that the market design is not working is, to my extent, is really misleading. We really have to tackle the roots and not concentrate on the impact. And the impact reduction is, of course, important because, I mean, the high prices are certainly a challenge for a lot of consumers. They are certainly a challenge for many poor households. They are certainly an economic challenge for a lot of industries. But in the end, these high prices will have to be paid regardless of the market design. And they will either be paid by the consumer or by the taxpayer. 
and the market design changes that you mentioned with price caps and so on, this will only shift the impact of the energy bills between various groups, but it will not deliver an economic sustainable solution. To find an economic sustainable solution, we really need, let's say, a rewrap of the energy policy or lay more importance also on security of supply and on affordability in general. That's at least my conclusion out of this. But I wouldn't say that the market design change is not necessary. We definitely have to look at this, but for different reasons. It's not so much for finding now an easy way out of the current situation of the mess we are in, because that's not possible by the market design in my point of view. But we need a market design that is future proof, that should provide flexibility for the power system in order to integrate the renewables. It should provide security of supply with regards to electricity also to cope with the renewables. And we should also find with the new market design answers for the seasonal demand that is coming from heat pumps, for instance. We have in Europe a situation that we have a lot of demand in wintertime, lower demand in summertime, and the renewable production pattern is not really fit for this demand pattern. And so we need some kind of storage solutions. And this should then be coming from the market design. I'm not a strong believer that the market design will give us a short-term remedy on the price situation that we're in. Thank you, Stefan. Since the news about the European Commission looking at the market design and whether or not it's fit for purpose, I have heard Mm -hmm. several opinions on whether or not it really is fit for purpose. And I think there are some market players who believe, like you do, that if we implement these changes, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So in your opinion, Stefan, you mentioned some of the things that you believe should be changed or that we should be focusing on. Can you elaborate on your proposed changes or amendments, whether it be to policy or financial mechanisms, if you could give us some more detail on that? Yeah, I think it's basically it's important to make these changes more on the framework, on the general framework. I think finding the money for all the investments is always easier if the investors have an idea that the framework is stable enough and that they will get the revenues with regards to the payback time. With the current discussions about taxing certain revenues and about introducing new taxes, I'm not sure whether this is really a good signal for investors to do. And so I would strongly prefer that we have a stable framework and a clear signal that the market prices are as they are, and they will also not be intervened by some kind of things. You can do some kind of interventions with regards to affordability. That is, you can reduce the tax burden on the consumer side, for instance. You can also introduce some additional money on the consumer side. That's fine. But I would really strongly advocate to let the wholesale market work as it is with the current approach and by doing some kind of necessary changes that are definitely needed. One of these changes might be security of supply. As I said, we have a strong seasonal shift or strong seasonal demand in Europe. And this means storage is certainly something that will be needed. And this will be a seasonal storage to store the electricity in or the energy carrier in summertime to have enough of these energy carriers in the wintertime. This was a task that was in the recent decades always done by gas. So we stored the natural gas in, uh, in the gas caverns in order to have enough of them of the gas in the wintertime. And to my opinion, at least, this security of supply for the seasonal pattern in the future will be provided by hydrogen. And this means we will, will need some investment incentives to create a more hydrogen economy to use hydrogen for these seasonal supply response. 
And this will need some research, of course. This will also need some financial incentives to build the first of a kind. But in the end, hopefully, this kind of infrastructure that is needed for this hydrogen demand will come from the market players itself. It should also not be underestimated that for the hydrogen economy, there's a lot of infrastructure needed because it's not only the local production, which will be provided by local electricity generation, by electrolyzers and stuff like this. In Europe, we will definitely have to import hydrogen. And this means also the import facilities in ports, in other instances like ships, for instance, to transport the hydrogen or methanol or ammonia or whatever it is, is needed. And this kind of creation of the new infrastructure that is needed, I think here some political guidance is needed. Also some regulatory guidance in order to find out what is the framework for this kind of hydrogen infrastructure. And for the first of a kind, also some financial impact might be needed. But that would be my idea of the changes that are necessary here. Stefan, if I can circle back to what you were mentioning mm -hmm. about the various technologies. If I can talk specifically nuclear, you mentioned that mm -hmm. we have to keep all energy sources on the table. How do you yeah. think, what will the energy mix look like moving forward for Europe? Do you think we're going to see perhaps moving back a little bit towards nuclear? Obviously, some fossil fuel assets might need to come online to bridge this gap. What are your thoughts on that? I think it will be a very, very different picture for each country. I think there are some countries who, are, who really do not see nuclear as an option. This is Germany, this is, might be Austria or Denmark, for instance. So I don't see that these countries will move to nuclear. Perhaps in, in 20 or 30 years time, when there are other technologies available and when the social acceptance for these solutions are also easier to find, then I think there might be some movement here. I think for other countries, this might be Eastern European countries, but also Western European countries, nuclear is a fine solution. And we will see perhaps more of these kind of solutions. I'm quite sure that this will happen. I also would not exclude CCS, carbon capture and sequestration, for certain coal-fired power stations, also in the coal-rich countries that we have currently, like Poland, for instance, as part of the solution. Fully aware that CCS is not 100% carbon sequestration, but 95% or something like this. But nevertheless, it would give a, a strong answer to these solutions. And certainly, renewable electricity and renewable generation will become a cornerstone of this energy mix in Europe. But coming back again to this kind of idea of a broad mix, broad mix also means a broad technology mix. And so we will certainly use a high share of renewables, but we will also need other sources of electricity in order to have enough security of supply. I'm, I'm not sure whether everything can be solved with storage. If storage is easy and cheap, then you can solve everything with storage. But in case if there are some costs connected with storage and there are also some other issues, you will also need some other solutions. And so my perspective is more of a broad mix with high shares of CCS, also with coal and with gas, with a reasonable share of nuclear in some countries and with a high share of renewable electricity. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how that technology mix takes shape. Stefan, I want to circle back to what's happening in Europe right now. Yeah. What can we expect to see moving forward? What is the European Commission going to mobilize? And what potential impacts? I'm trying to wrap my head around potential policy changes and the various ripple effects that it could have on Europe, potentially the consumers, are we going to see effective cost reduction in the near future? 
I mean, in the end, the energy prices are at the level where they are currently. And I do not really see any kind of short-term measurement or short-term measure to reduce the total energy bill for Europe. The only thing you can do is to make, let's say, the electricity bill optically cheaper by saying, okay, we are taking some taxpayers' money in order to reduce the bill for a certain group or for all the electricity users and consumers that we have in Europe. I think that's the only short-term remedy that we have. Whether this is a reasonable solution or not, I mean, this depends strongly, I think, on the different cases we are considering. But we have the coal prices where they are, we have the gas prices where they are, and this will determine to a strong extent the costs for the electricity system that we have currently. And the only thing you can really do is to make a shift from one group to the other, but you cannot reduce it substantially. The only way to reduce it substantially will be done by investments, by investments in new technologies, by investments in, let's say, in LNG hubs to import natural gas also from other countries to have less dependency on the pipeline gas, by using more coal, perhaps also by introducing some CCS plants to a higher extent, perhaps by mothballing existing power plants that are still able to produce electricity. This will also help to increase the level of supply by investing in energy efficiency on the demand side. I mean, so far I have spoken on the supply side, but there's also the demand side. The demand side can also react by higher energy efficiency. The demand side might also react by using a fuel switch. Uh, there was the famous case of Evonik, for instance. Evonik is a large chemical company here in, in, in Germany, and they made a switch from natural gas to LPG to liquefied petroleum gas, which is also possible to, to some extent. I have to admit that this solution, especially by Evonik, might not be the preferred solution from an environmental point of view, because it will certainly lead to some issues with regards to carbon emissions, to greenhouse gas emissions. But it's an, a solution that is addressing the affordability topic and the security of supply topic. So I think we might also accept in the future some technologies that will lead us a little bit away from our ambitious CO2 path that we have in Europe. But it might be necessary to have a secure supply at affordable prices. So it's not only the supply side where we can do something, but also on the demand side. And in all of these cases, we also have to consider some more potential compromises with regards to the targets that we have in Europe. And perhaps we have to admit that the climate path that we have was slightly too ambitious in the current situation. And we have unfortunately to relax some of the goals that we had in this path. If we look at Germany's energy vendor, it was highly ambitious with a rapid yeah. shift to renewable energy. And like you say, perhaps now we need to look a little bit more from a balanced perspective in terms of mm -hmm. you know protecting the consumer and making sure that there is energy to keep the economy growing. Stefan, we are nearly reaching the end of our time together, and it's been absolutely wonderful to get your insights into what's happening in Europe at the moment. Before we conclude, the Zurich Energy Trading Day, which is taking yeah. place, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What are you going to be discussing at the event? Yeah, I think we're discussing various topics at this event, and especially in my session, I think it's about the impact of renewables and how to cope with PPAs which is really an interesting instrument, I have to admit, because PPAs deliver from the so-called market failure that we have at the moment because of the high prices. That is, there are also benefits of these high prices we should also see. And one of these is that renewable power plants need less state money, so to say, and less mechanisms to promote them. But they can also work perfectly now in the current market environment 
And so we will discuss something about this, how to promote this further. And interestingly enough, I mean, this is also one part of the truth of these high electricity prices that we have. A lot of older renewable power plants that were built 20 years before are still in the money due to the high power prices that we have. And so the high prices also helps the renewable promotion to some extent. And I think this will also be part of the discussion that we will have in Zurich. And I hope, I really hope that we will find some more pragmatism in the whole debate and some good pragmatic solutions. But given the participants of the Zurich Trading Day, I'm very confident that there's enough pragmatism in the room. And so a lot of pragmatic solutions should be the outcome. That sounds promising. What a way to end, highlighting the fact that pragmatic solutions are required at this time. Yeah, especially in the German power market, but that's a different story. <laughs> I feel like that's an entirely new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, thank you for joining us and for sharing your insights. For our audience, if they would like more information about you or about the Zurich Energy Training Day, I will include information below. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share before we conclude? Thank you very much, Pamela, for the opportunity to speak here. And there's one last conclusion. I think it's not possible to solve everything that we have currently on the table within the next one or two years. I think it will be really a long, long way that we have to go. We will have to cope with high energy prices in the future, perhaps not as high as currently, but we should hopefully use market mechanisms as far as possible to find the right solutions for it, because I still think that markets are the ideal instrument to find the, from a given set of technologies, from a given set of solutions, the ideal mix. And so I hope that markets will survive all this turmoil we are in. Thank you. Yes, indeed. We share those sentiments. Stefan, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. Visit enlit.world for more episodes. See you next time.